Mystery Theater presents This is Christopher Lee, the host of Mystery Theater. Not all mysteries are about murder. Sometimes they involve non-violent crimes, such as theft, extortion, or the gentle art of blackmail. Instead of a gun or a knife, they rely on lies, deception, and confidence games, modus operandi of mental warfare. In the long run, who can say which is more deadly, a bullet or character assassination, armed robbery or a plot to destroy reputation? In a moment, we'll meet some cunning deceivers and the crime stoppers who won't hesitate to match wits with them. This time, it's Pat Novak for hire, a shadow and escape. Stay with us. The stories begin in just a moment. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. No matter how far you run from them, childhood tragedies have a way of catching back up with you. So is true of elite scuba diver Veronica West, who is about to encounter something unexplainable at the bottom of the ocean, something that will draw her back to her home on Sinclair Island, Maine. There, she'll lead a dangerous rescue mission to the bottom of the Bay of Fundy, home of the world's largest tides, and something horrific down in the depths. Listen to Narcosis, the latest horror fiction show on Realm's premier horror channel, Undertow. Narcosis is available now. Search for Undertow or Narcosis wherever podcasts are served. Welcome back to Mystery Theater. I'm your host, Christopher Lee. Let's start things off with a thriller by Private Eye Pat Novak. Novak was a detective with a chip on his shoulder who did whatever necessary to make a buck, including renting boats down on the San Francisco waterfront. His best friend was a wharf drifter named Jocko Madigan and his worst enemy was Inspector Hellman of the San Francisco Police Department. Time now for Death in Herald Square, starring Ben Morris as Pat Novak for hire. The American Broadcasting Company presents Pat Novak for hire.
Sure, I'm Pat Novak. For hire. Down on the San Francisco waterfront, the only use they have for sentiment is to pick your pocket while you're saluting the flag. If you hang out around there as long as I have, you'll even learn to sleep with one hand on the cash box. So I wasn't expecting any cascade of lilies when Joe Adams drove down to Pier 19. He'd phoned that he was in a hurry and would stop by and pick me up in his car. He'd said he had a quick job for me to do. That was about all I knew about him. I wasn't worried about that either. In my work, you get used to odd-shaped hires, including those from guys who looked like a bundle of twigs with shoes on and drove like they owned the keys to the city. Novak, this is a soft buck. All you got to do is watch the joint. If you keep driving through red lights like that, we'll both end up looking at the ceiling in the morgue. Though I disagree with the traffic department. Look, the joint's in North Beach, Vallejo Street. Here's the number. I wrote it down. So you can read and write. What do you mean? What's the pitch? You afraid of mice? No. And there's no extra cards in this deck. Yeah? So far, it makes about as much sense as an eight-fingered glove. Look, I have to meet a guy in Los Angeles. I haven't much time to make my plane. I lost my keys, so I had to bust in the door to get into my place. It was too late to get a locksmith. So I want you to watch until I get back tomorrow. Is that hard? The way you're driving, breathing's hard. You scare easy. I scare plenty. I like to live. Give me a good reason. You wouldn't understand. You expect visitors tonight? Look, I've got some stuff that I'd like to see around when I get back. And stop trying to read between the lines in a steel. It's all in the black type. You can say that about a funeral speech. You still worried about the way I drive? No. Only why take a plane when this is faster? Okay, if you can stop shaking long enough to walk, you can start here. On the way back, I'll look for your brains. Grab a cab. I'll pick up the check for it. And don't knock. Go right in. I'll be seeing you. Probably in four pieces. And keep awake, will you? Some of my neighbors would steal the handle off a blind man's cup. Don't worry. I'll keep both eyes open. You sound like you're saying one thing and thinking something else. About keeping awake? Yeah, what's worrying you, ghost? I'm not buying this show the way you're staging it. Something sour in the deal. Yeah, that's all right, too. Just as long as you don't get any fancy ideas of making me to Patsy. Boy, you do scare easy. Yeah, and I pay off bum debts, too. Now I'm getting scared. So long, sucker. Adam's joint turns out to be one of those walk-up flats. A nice wooden place that made you want to run for the firebox every time someone dropped a cigarette ash on the floor. The door was smashed around the lock all right, and the lights were out. And I found the switch and began to look around. It showed four rooms full of fancy furniture and decorations that made you wonder about Adam's private life. After I found out where the whiskey was located and pried three cushions loose from the easy chair, I looked around for something to do. There was a bookcase full of mystery stories and this and that. I passed the mysteries up without studying them. I knew that in every one of them, the detective would come out on top. Yet I knew four private eyes who'd started out on just such trails and ended up in urns in Cypress Lawn. There was one book with a purple cover called Reckless Moonlight with pictures. I was on page 30 with pictures when I was interrupted. They were too manly to make me glad. I jumped across the room and switched off the lights. And I stood just inside the door and waited. He didn't even knock. He came right in. From the back, he looked big enough to be a ten-ton trailer. He was fumbling in his pocket when I broke up the act. I chill up on the pocket pick and this is a gun in your back. 
If they shoot, you'll hit a policeman's badge. Think that over. Mm, is house breaking a sideline with you, Hellman? I'd know that voice in a nightmare. And they blame gangsters for the crime wave. They don't know where to look. Just stand still, sweetheart, until I get my flash working. You want to borrow some burglar tools? I'll settle for some better manners than right now. Where I come from, better manners started with knocking before you come cramming through a door. Where you came from, they didn't have doors. Just a damp rock. What's the idea of turning out the light? How could I tell who was coming? You don't smell that bad. Do you tell me why you're here, or do I bounce it out of you? Don't worry. You can't parlay it into anything to tell a judge. A guy named Adams lives here. He had to get in in a hurry, broke the lock, grabbed some things, and headed for the airport. He hired me to watch the place till he gets back tomorrow. He hired a bulldog to watch a steak? You don't like this story, huh? What do you want, mad musician? You're mad enough without music. Tell me more. That's all there is till you started whipping in the fancy trimming. I can see that and raise it without even string. You couldn't raise a rumpus on New Year's Eve. No? And how about the murder of Thomas Van Dyke? I must have looked surprised. Hellman was pleased and mysterious. He kept prowling around the house, looking at books, up on shelves and behind the furniture like he expected to find Van Dyke's body there. In the meantime, he filled me in on the case. Van Dyke had been a heavy money operator in show business, sports promotions and such. He ran around with a mink and diamond crowd and did enough charity work on the side to build up a reputation for being a pillar of the community. Everyone was surprised when he turned up dead, including the police. Someone had shot him without leaving any signature on the job. The case had remained unsolved for almost a year. Of course, at the speed Hellman thought, he might have just found out about it. Now he was passing out hints the thing had grown hot again. I was checking through the evidence in file, and I ran across something with Miss. Yeah, grand piano. Some stuff in a diary. Have you been messing around in these books? Is that why you're here? To borrow a book? The diary didn't make any sense at the time of the death. But we turned up a vag the other day who worked with Van Dyke and some of his underground connections. And now Van Dyke's the king of the thieves. Something like that. I put together the stuff this vag told us with some of the things in the diary, and it began to look like pay dirt. There's a book missing. Yeah, the Rover Boys, it's over your head, Helen. Death in Herald Square, it's called. And don't play that innocent routine too hard or you'll tire it out. You're making about as much sense as a pig in a candy store. The bag tied this address into one of the clues. How do you like them apples? I wouldn't buy them a ten cents a crate. Look, Bright Eyes, I don't like waterfront punks sticking their guns in my back in the dark. I don't like you messing in this racket. Are you unhappy, nervous, run down? I want you to keep your nose out of this scamper, Novak. And if you think that's just a lot of breath, try me. Why should I leave this house just because you're having a nervous decline? Don't think I'm buying that routine about some guy hiring you to watch his clothes while he went flying. You got a lead in this murder and you're trying to track it down. How much is the reward again? Ten thousand dollars. Who said anything about a reward? Yeah, so that's why you're nervous. Keep out of this, Novak. I'm warning you. Now you're hot for the payoff. I should have known you wouldn't get up off your fat. I'm giving you one more chance to get out, Novak. I was hired to do a job, Hellman, remember? All right, wise guy. Come on. Open the closet. Your nose is itching. Open it yourself. Okay, Novak. See any men's clothes in there? Hmm. Not in this year's style. Snap it up, Novak. Haven't you remembered by now that Joe Adams was a girl? All right, so the guy dealt me a joker. I don't mean I'm trying to crash your party. The dame Lewis here is named Dodo Sandberg, and she ain't lonely. But you're going to be Novak, and soon. Dodo Sandberg. Maybe uh, she'll come to see you in jail. You're not booking me, Hellman. I told you to stay out of this, Novak. You got nothing on me but a nervous twitch because you think I might beat you to that reward. I got nothing on you, except housebreaking. Come on down the station. Ah, uh, deal me out. You want to argue? Hey, hey, who turned out the lights? I'm getting to like that Adams or somebody. Stand where you are, Novak. Sorry, Hellman, I just remembered a date with 10,000 bucks. (laughs) 
Hellman chased me, but the way he's built, he didn't have a prayer. He hit the street and doubled around a couple of corners. I couldn't even hear him. When I got back my breath, I walked along for a while and tried to put what I had together. Any way I looked at it, one thing was clear. Joe Adams had played me for a country boy in some setup that had a whole lot more in it than showed on the table. I needed to see Adams to square that deal, but something Hellman told me seemed even more important. I liked the idea of trying my chances of cutting into that $10,000 reward for Van Dyke's death. All I had to work on was a dame called Dodo Sandberg in a book called Death in Herald Square. I looked at the clock and found I still had time to make it to the main library before it closed for the night. So I headed that way. When I got in the place at the Civic Center, it took the librarians quite a bit of scrambling around to get the book, but they finally turned it up just before closing time. I tucked it under my arm and started out of the place when the dame fell in step beside me. A nice set of curves tucked away in one of those new-style dresses with so many extra built-in bumps it looked like a sack of potatoes. Didn't I meet you in Scarsdale? The shy type. I used to be. I outgrew it. Keep right on growing somewhere else. You have to be that way. My hobby's books. I noticed. That's why I wanted to meet you. I like the books you choose. Before I pick that up, what's your name? Dodo Sandberg. Watch out for the stairs. So you're after the book, too. I didn't say that. I know. It's my fascinating personality. A very good friend of mine wrote that book. Does my reading it strain your eyes or something? It's very interesting. Now let's talk about you. You get around, don't you? What do you mean by that? I became a Joe Adams. That's a question for his mother to worry about, Patsy. I don't mind helping her. Do they have to be mothers? You need help like Midas needs dough. There's help and help. What if a girl's lonely? You aren't built for the job. Let's get back to Adams in the book. Adams is no problem. He lived at the Standard Hotel on Polk Street. Uh, careless, isn't he, to forget that. And how did you suddenly get a yen to read Death in Herald Square? A cop told me about it. Why? Because there's a better book on the same subject. It's called Death Waits Ahead. Am I supposed to turn that into some kind of warning? It could be. And here's a sample of what I mean. She worked fast and smooth as a piston. There was some kind of judo, I guess. I was too busy falling to be sure. The stairs didn't help any. By the time I picked myself up, she was out of sight. And so was the book. I sat there a while and thought about women. When I went back to the library desk, I didn't buy me anything. Seems they only had one copy of the book. It wasn't popular, they said. And I seemed anxious about getting a copy. They sent me to a bookstore on 3rd Street, which stayed open late. By the time I got there, there was nobody in the place except one of the hired help looking bored by the cash register. I asked him for the book, and he quit looking bored right away. He began to look nervous. He said he didn't have the book. He'd never heard of it, and they were closing anyway. Whatever the guy was, he didn't have a card in the actors' union. I guess Crowley realized that as soon as I did. When I said I'd look around anyway, a curtain twitched in the back of the place and he came out. A big guy with a nasty disposition. You could do better than that. Did someone send you to tell me how to live? You're looking for death in Herald Square? Uh, the word's all over town. You ought to be out eating something instead of nosing around where you're not wanted. You ever heard of the prisoner eating a hearty breakfast? That's a warning. You're third in line. Yeah, who else is interested? A cop and a dame. You ought to team up and work it into three-part harmony. When they warned you, they were just trying to act like bad news. When I warn you, it's certified. You don't look eight feet tall. Put some meat on your skeleton. My name's Pete Crowley. Did you ever hear of me? I must read the wrong funny papers. You've got connections around the city. Uh, you can say that about a sewer pipe. 
Something's making you twitch. Trot it out where I can see it. Dodo Sandberg tells me you got your nose up in the air over the Van Dyke killing. Uh, does that worry you? I'm hiding right now in Mexico. What's the death's head routine for? Before you run to the cops with a finger, listen carefully. I picked up Van Dyke's rackets when he dropped them. They pay off very nicely. I like the way they're moving along. I don't want you or any of the eager beavers from the Kearney Street Station to nose over the apple cart. I came here for a book. You don't look like it. Also, I don't like anybody bothering Dodo. And that includes sailor salesmen and smart guys looking for a new home. She doesn't want anybody ringing her bell, tell her to take the signs out of her windows. You look like a fairly bright boy. Take a tip. Fade out of this scramble while you're still mobile. And if I don't, stick around and I'll show you my muscles. I'd rather look at Dodo's. Two of my muscles used to be wrestlers. Think it over. It began to look more and more like trouble, doubled in spades. I began to get the feeling if I planned to sit in the game anymore, it was time to start counting up the cards and seeing how the mirrors were placed. And the best guy for that sort of work was an old alcoholic friend of mine called Jocko Madigan. Jocko was a one-time doctor around town who gave up his practice when he learned that alcohol made him feel better even when he wasn't sick. Finding him was like taking a phone survey of the downtown bars. I pitched a strike at the fifth one I tried. At first, he didn't like the idea of moving, but when I told him I was phoning from a third street bar, he said he'd hop a cab. He came in while I was working on my second drink. Patsy, my boy, I'm glad to see you, both of you. Uh, or is that only two heads? Yeah, I could use two. That's an involved way of saying you're in trouble. Goodbye. Uh, listen, Jocko, I got my foot in the door of a deal that might pay off big. All you got your foot in is a dirty shoe, Patsy, and with your usual luck, you'll probably end up with Hellman stepping on it. He stepped on it already. Oh, he did? Good. How is the old walrus, anyway? That's what I've been trying to tell you. I bounced into him tonight, and he was hot on the trail of the men who knocked off Van Dyke a year ago. Oh, they're safe. Hellman couldn't put his finger on a fire eater in a darkened room. What do you know about a book called Death in Herald Square? What do you know about the home life of the Macrocephalus Pinebombix? Uh, as I was saying before thirst choked me off, some people collect seashells, some raise dogs, some go after goldfish or matchbox covers or pretty women, but not Patsy Novak. Oh, no. Patsy's different. Patsy wants to collect murders. Did you ever hear of the book? What book? You're talking too fast. Death in Herald Square. Van Dyke's murder ties into it somehow. Talk sense, Patsy. Things are blurred enough without you jabbering nonsense. Nonsense. I'm not on the right trail. Why have I been warned off three times already, including a threat from Pete Crowley? Are you asking me? Look, Jocko, there's 10,000 bucks reward for the murderer. Well, why didn't you tell me that ten minutes ago and avoid all this verbiage? Well, if you'd get your nose out of that whiskey bottle, you... skip the greeting, son. Let's get on to the money matters. Uh, what do you want me to do? It's an old book. You know where to find it. I tried the library, but a dame called Dodo grabbed the dice. I know just how to get it. A friend of mine in the panhandle has a small bookstore and home distillery. Listen, there's a Joe Adams fit in there somewhere. See what you can get on him, will you? Do go on, you fascinate me. Now, two other people were nervous about me since the thing broke. One is Crowley and the other is Dodo Sandberg. It seems to be tied to Crowley somehow. Can you get a check on them for me? For $10,000, I can get a count on the fillings in their teeth. Uh, is this Dodo Sandberg pretty? Why? Uh, I want to know where you'll be in case I have to phone. So long, lover. I paid for Jocko's drinks and went out to the Standard Hotel. The room clerk gave me Joe Adams' number. 
He looked a little worried when he told me, but that could have been about a new boss or an old girlfriend. It could have, but it wasn't. Adam's room was on the fourth floor, and when I reached there in the elevator, Hellman almost ran over me trying to get in the cage. He was a nice salmon pink and panting like a bloodhound on a deer trail. He had a gun in one fat hand, a mouthful of verbs and adjectives. Every time I turn a corner... Who are you expecting, Princess Elizabeth? Where did he go? You better shift to the overdrive. You're racing your motor. (laughs) Where's Adam's Novak? Don't start testing your muscles on me, Hellman. You must think I'm your wife. This ain't Playland, Novak. Adam's just left his room. Where is he? I'm not in the mood for company, Hellman. You're going to talk. You're going to talk plenty. What's all the pushing around about? Don't pretend you're a country boy. You don't know what's going on. Back up a bit and fill me in. Adam's told me he hired you to knock me off. Yeah, and you believed him. I know you don't work that way. But I wouldn't put it beyond you to pretend to go along with the proposition as long as you could milk a few dollars out of Adams. Well, with your head, it's a wonder you don't believe it that I did it. With my head, I remember that you were waiting in a darkened apartment with a gun when I came in. That you ran out on me and that you show up now just when Joe Adams is escaping. Yeah, you put two and two together and get 22. You're just a sort of a lousy conniving... What about Adams? Is he the turkey that knocked off Van Dyke? He got away when I started to dial the phone to call the wagon to take... I thought I told you to forget the Van Dyke murder. Hey, you're full of tell, Hellman. Is Adams a one? Pin this into your hat, Novak. I'm closing in on the one who did it, and I don't need you to help with the net. Like you closed in on Adams? Just let me stumble over you once more before I close this up, and I'll bet my badge I'll put you where you'll stand still. And it could be Adams. Do you hear what I said? Yeah. I heard prices are going down, too, but I haven't noticed it much. I can fix that. You're going to a place where the feet is on the house. Don't give me any more of that jail talk, Hellman, until you're ready to come in with some paper. All I need to put you in a cage is a key. Let's go. <laughs> I'll get him. You stay where you are, Novak. He must think I'm a boy scout. That was screwy. I was twice Hellman had tried to jail me and twice someone had fixed a breakaway. Anyway, you looked at that, it still meant somebody wanted me in circulation for some reason. Unless you believed in good fairies, a reason wouldn't be nice. If I guessed hard, I could make it relate somehow to the Van Dyke killing. But all I had for a trail on that was three people being nervous in a hard-to-get mystery book. And the way Adam saved me from Hellman, he looked like a good man to know more about, and fast. I knew that after the gun work in the hotel, I'd have to find him somewhere else. The only other lead I had on him was through Dodo. I headed back to her place on Vallejo Street. When she opened the door, she looked like something to fit in a fireplace ad. She was wearing a negligee thin enough to roll up and stuff in a pipe. You bounce back fast. You grow on me. What do you want? Van Dyke's murderer. Who's Van Dyke? You're a stranger in town. You never heard of him. Come on in. I'm having coffee. Think you can risk drinking some with arsenic and all? I got a strong stomach. You're a nice-looking guy. You seem healthy. Why do you want to change? Your boy Adams likes to play tricks. If I didn't try to pay him off for the hot foot he gave me, he might feel neglected. Adams is just a flock of nerves looking for some place to break down. Forget him. He tried to put me on a spot where I'd end up killing a cop. The gag-laden egg. Nobody's laughing. Cream in your coffee? Yeah. I'm still guessing why he did it unless he killed Van Dyke. Sugar? Look, he didn't just pick this house out of the phone book. I put you in line to do some explaining. I wouldn't explain how to turn over in bed until I've had a cup of coffee. You aren't shaking where it shows. Are you telling me how to live? I'd have to start with the way you say goodbye on stairways. You didn't learn that trick in a finishing school. It didn't finish you, but that's just because you're adorable. 
So's my longing for Adams. Where can I find him? I told you Adams don't mean anything. He just acts busy. He's like a fly, batting his wings off and ending up in the same place. What place? Do I twist it out of you? Oh, that book, Death in Herald Square. Did you find another copy? That's for tomorrow. Tonight it's Adams. You're wasting your time chasing Adams. Concentrate on the book. I'm spreading my fire. How do I know that book isn't just a come on to get me off the trail? In the book, there was a millionaire businessman just like Van Dyke. He had connections in the racket, just like Van Dyke. He had a partner, just like Van Dyke. When do I start panning? If you do, it'll be from running from the cops. That's all I'm giving you about the book. I'll get the rest when I pick one up tomorrow. You'll have a tough time doing that, Novak. The bookstores are all out of copies. Uh, you collected them all? Working hard, a car, a telephone, a little bustling about. You're real sharp, Crowley, till you start looking at a map. I have friends across the bay. You might try Sacramento or Los Angeles, but that would take some time, wouldn't it? Uh, I guess time don't count after tomorrow. Not with what you know, sonny boy. Am I being confusing? You make a good try. Well, this won't confuse you. I thought I told you I didn't like Dodo to be bothered. She needs protection like J. Edgar Hoover. And didn't I warn you off this caper? Leave him alone, Crowley. He's harmless. Are you all done in the other room? Yeah. Come on, Novak. I want to make you a little present. There are the books you've been looking for, with only a few pages missing. Yeah, Novak, you can have them. All 50 of them. They're a little scarred, baby, but they'd still make a nice gift. Send them to your friends for Christmas. If any of them can read. You sound like you're ringing down a curtain. That's right. After tonight, you just keep right on guessing. About who killed Van Dyke? No, baby. About how you're going to prove anything. Mind if we sort of run along now? As soon as the lady gets dressed? After they'd gone, I went through the books. Page 187 was torn out of each one of them. I felt like a man in an earthquake. Something told me to run, but I didn't know where to go. Trying to make sense out of what I knew was like trying to put together a drop cake. I wandered around the place till I found a drink. I was just lifting the glass when the telephone rang. Yeah? Who's ahead, you or the moral squad? Everybody's out in front of me, including Dodo and Crowley. Adams is out of sight. You aren't alone. Dodo and Crowley just went out the door. I said goodbye to them and 10,000 bucks. Is Crowley that big, or was it the girl? Crowley isn't worried, neither is Dodo. That leaves Adams. Oh, I, uh, I ran down that book of yours. Crowley said he bought every copy in town. Every copy in the bookstores? Uh, my friend remembered where he'd sold one, uh, my friend with the still... We borrowed it. Uh, Oh, by the way, Van Dyke wrote the book. Yeah? What's on page 187? Uh, hmm. Let's see now. Yes. uh, A description of Van Dyke's double life on page 187 is a description of the the front man, the the gangster. A bad writing job. No wonder it didn't sell. What does it fit? It doesn't fit anyone, Patsy. He only said that the person had a star tattooed on his chest. It's a horse. Now, all you've got to do is to get them in a game of strip poker. Get them. They're all gone. It's still a good idea, especially if Dodo sat in. So long, lover. Give me Hellman. Inspector Hellman speaking. I got your killer for you. That's that? Who's this? 
Novak? Yeah. And don't start bubbling about my nose in your business. Business is picking up. You get Adams? Adams? That's good. No, Novak. My stool pigeon got it. That fag I was telling you about. Now that leaves you the only one knowing. $10,000 worth. Don't think I'm coming after you, baby. You can stay there and rot. So far, I feel healthy. You think you can drag me off the trail after you by this phony phone call? I know who did it. Oh, no, you don't, Novak, but I do. Yeah, fill it in. I just got a phone tip where they're hanging out. And so they're sending out invitations. I'll even tell you where they are. It's at the beach near a shooting gallery. I've got a siren on my car. Let's see you beat me out there. It's the first gallery below the ballroom. Look, Hellman, you're the only guy alive who knows the whole story. What if this is a gag? Oh, no, no, Vag. I'm not biting on any of your phony tricks. Oh, but listen. Save your breath to sob with when you see me pick up that nice, fat check. I thought a while, and suddenly the thing fell together like a winning poker hand. As soon as I saw it, I started running for my car. I don't know how it happened, but I beat them out there. I went along the bridge arterials, and they're wide and fast. By stealing a flock of red lights and nicking the paint off a couple of fenders, I was out through the Presidio and over to Golden Gate Park in no time at all. When I hit the beach, it was foggy and empty. There was only one guy in the shooting gallery. When I got up near him, it turned out to be Crowley. He had a rifle in his hand. And he saw me first, down the barrel of the gun. Don't back up, Novak. Come on in. You were looking for Adams, weren't you? I was looking for a lot of things. He's here behind the counter. Look, on the floor. And did you kill him? Those bullet holes could be 22s. Yeah, I killed him. Just as I'll kill you if you got any fancy ideas like trying to grab a gun. What are you saving me for, Christmas? Yeah, you dress up the joint. I want Hellman to walk into the trap just like you did. If I'm shooting at the targets, like this. Bullseye. I'm good. You'll have to be good to get away with killing a cop. I hired Adams to do it. But he thought he'd get smart and frame you into the rap. That's why he hired you. Did he expect me to kill Hellman that night? Well, that's one of his bright ideas. He's full of bright ideas. Or he was. And Mr. Smart, he'd still be breeding. It's really very simple. Hellman got on the trail. And he was the only one in town who knew there was a trail, so he had to be killed. He ain't dead yet. You're betting a 22 against a police special. I'm live bait. You ought to see the gun Dodo has in the car. You're gonna dry gulch him, huh? He'll be watching me, and I'll be watching you. Let's see you beat that hand. You're forgetting the books. We're forgetting nothing. The books don't mean anything unless you put it together with what Hellman knows. Hellman and his stool pigeon... Stool's dead. And here comes Hellman. Adams thought of everything, including mirrors. You thought of everything. Except a quarter. What for? To pay for the reload on that gun. Now, these other guns are only loaded. Hi, you win a cigar, Hellman. You got her. She'd have had me if you didn't spray the windshield. What was the deal? Now, while you were creeping up on Crowley, Dodo was going to pat you on the back. Crowley? Where's Adams? He quit the game. Crowley helped him. Come on. Crowley's coming through. Now, don't worry. He won't like these odds. What odds? 38 to 22. It wasn't much of a trial. Crowley got the gas chamber. I got 10,000 bucks. And the tax collector took half. Jocko got some, and there was even some left for me. Oh, yeah, Dodo was the one who killed Van Dyke. She and Crowley were sort of a team, but she was the contact and the real boss. Hellman never knew how I was so sure. 
I never told him I thought it was a man, too. Till Jocko told me about the killer being tattooed. After that, it was easy. That negligee of Dodo's only left one thing to wonder about. That was how she kept warm. That was Ben Morris as Pat Novak for hire in Death in Herald Square, originally broadcast November the 30th, 1947. Next up, Orson Welles stars as the shadow after these words. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. No matter how far you run from them, childhood tragedies have a way of catching back up with you. So is true of elite scuba diver Veronica West, who's about to encounter something unexplainable at the bottom of the ocean, something that will draw her back to her home on Sinclair Island, Maine. There, she'll lead a dangerous rescue mission to the bottom of the Bay of Fundy, home of the world's largest tides, and something horrific down in the depths. Listen to Narcosis, the latest horror fiction show on Realm's premier horror channel, Undertow. Narcosis is available now. Search for Undertow or Narcosis wherever podcasts are served. Welcome back to Mystery Theater. I'm your host, Christopher Lee. One of the best-loved radio series is The Shadow. The Shadow was really wealthy playboy Lamont Cranston, who fought crime by clouding men's minds so they could not see him. The only person besides us who knew that Cranston was The Shadow was his constant companion, Margot Lane. Early in the run, Orson Welles starred as the Shadow, and you'll hear him now in Poison Death. (laughs) 
<laughs> Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? <laughs> the shadow knows. The Shadow, Lamont Cranston, a man of wealth, a student of science, and a master of other people's minds, devotes his life to righting wrongs, protecting the innocent, and punishing the guilty. Cranston is known to the underworld as The Shadow. Never seen, only heard. His true identity is known only to his constant friend and aide, Margot Lane. Mercy Hospital. Quick, send an ambulance to 217 Shoreview Road. My children, they're poisoned, dying. Oh, hurry, hurry, please, hurry. Doctor, doctor, what's wrong with my husband? He's been poisoned. Poisoned? Isn't there something you can do? Some way of saving him? No, I'm sorry, my dear, it's too late. Your husband is dead. <laughs> What's this, Bill? Another poison case? Yes. The calls are coming in faster than we can answer them. Well, this one will have to go to general. The emergency ward is full, not a cot left. The same thing in every hospital in town. They're swamped, all poison cases. And nobody knows how they're getting it or what it is. Come in, Commissioner Weston. Thanks. I came over as soon as I got your message, Mr. Mayor. Sit down, Commissioner. You know why I sent for you? Yes. And I hate to admit it, but we haven't one single clue to go on. I've had the entire police force working on this poison epidemic for three days, and we're right where we started. And the press ransom note was sent to the newspapers demanding a million dollars ransom or this city of over a million souls will be wiped out, poisoned. I thought it was a hoax. Mayor, it's a wild scheme of a crazed mind. It can't be anything else. I don't agree with you. The ransom note was signed the shadow. This same shadow you claimed has helped you solve so many crimes, but it was never asked for a reward or credit. I don't believe the shadow sent that note, Mayor. No? Then look at this photostatic copy of the original typewritten threat. Listen to the way it's worded. For years, the shadow has smashed rackets, wiped out criminal syndicates, trapped murderers without reward. And now the time has come for a settlement. The shadow has saved the city millions. Now the city will pay the shadow one million dollars or the hospitals will be filled with the dying and the morgues will be filled with the dead. I'm still convinced that it isn't the real shadow who's guilty. You say that because the shadow has helped you so much in the past. I resent that, Mr. Mayor. All right, resent it. But it's up to you to get busy and find out who's responsible. The fact remains that no clues have been found. Well, I've got to have action. I'm doing everything I can. Maybe you are, but you ought to do better. Look at this report. The hospitals are filled with the dying. The morgue is filled with the dead. Hundreds of innocent people stricken by a poison the health department can't identify. A poison for which there seems to be no antidote. What is it? How is it being fed to the people? Find out or we'll get another police commissioner. Just a minute, there's a phone. Hello? This is Clyde Burke of the Classic, Your Honor. What is it, Burke? We just received another note signed by the Shadow. What this time? Listen to this. I can strike at random, but I can also single out any one of you for death. To prove it, I am going to poison Dan Brinkley, Commissioner of Sanitation. When you get this through the mail, Brinkley will be dead. Lamont, 
Aunt Cranston. Hello, Margot. Thank heavens you're back. Have you discovered who's poisoning all these people? Who's using your name, the name of the shadow? Oh, no, Margot. Every theory I've worked on has let no help. Well, whoever he is, this man masquerading as the shadow must be absolutely insane. There's no doubt about that, Margot, but it's the insanity of a genius, not of a money-mad fool. What strange, distorted mind could devise such a terrible scheme? Margot... Let me see that map of the city again. I'll get it. You know, the one where we marked all the areas affected by this wholesale poisoning? Yes, I know. Mm. Here you are, Lamont. There you see. Uh, the cases are widely scattered all over the city. And have you any idea how these people were poisoned? Must have been put in food or milk or something. There have been so many poisonings, it doesn't seem humanly possible it could have been administered individually. No, they were poisoned in groups. In every house affected by the poison, no one escaped. It wasn't poisoned milk. The newspapers checked on that, and it... Couldn't have been the food. No, the food those people ate came from a hundred different stores. Wait a minute, Margot. You've just given me an idea. What's the one thing that all these people must have had at some time or another on the day they were poisoned? Uh, what do you mean, Lamont? Margot, I think I've got it. Water. Yes, water, that's it. Well, how could that be? I don't know, Margot, but that's the answer. I'm sure of it. That explains the grouping of the poison cases. But how? It could have been done at the water meter introduced into the main pipe in the basement somewhere. So many different places without somebody noticing? Yes, and Margot, who could tamper with the water pipes in the basements of any building in the city and not arouse suspicion? Why, why only someone from the water company, the man who reads the meter. Exactly, or someone posing as a representative of the water company. Oh, sir. Margot, come on, let's open the window. Something else has happened. Oh, Lamont, it's like a nightmare. It's me! It's Daniel Brinkley, Commissioner of Sanitation, found poison after warning. It's me! It's me! Read all about it. The shadow... Oh, close the window, Margot. Lamont, why do you suppose Commissioner Brinkley was singled out? Margot, a distorted mind, especially that of a brilliant man, well, very often move along a straight line from cause to effect. This case follows a line so simple and so straight that the police do not even suspect who he is, Margot. But in killing Brinkley, he deviated from his original purpose long enough to settle a grudge. This is that one mistake the greatest of criminals make. You mean it's somebody whom Commissioner Brinkley wronged? Yes. But Brinkley may never have wronged anybody. To a man with a warped mind like this, an imagined wrong can inspire revenge just the same. Maybe it's someone who worked under Brinkley, someone in the Department of Sanitation. Margot, the pieces of this crazy puzzle are beginning to fit together. Well, where's yesterday's paper, the one with a photostatic copy of the ransom note sent by the man masquerading under the name of the Shadow? Oh, here it is, Lamont. I kept it along with all the other clippings. Oh, let me see. For years, the Shadow has smashed rackets, wiped out criminal syndicates, trapped murderers without reward... Margot, hmm. look at this. The letter E, it appears five, no, no, six, seven, eight times, and every time it appears out of line, and look. Yes. Look here, the letter A is blurred. Margot, it's like ABC, the obvious clue. We could only find that typewriter. Lamont, out of all the typewriters in the city, it would be like looking for a needle in a haystack. Don't you suppose the police have considered that angle, tried to find that machine? Oh, perhaps they have, but without first logically working out the problem as to the one place where that machine might be, they... They're wasting their time. The one place is the Department of Sanitation. It's, it's so logical as to be incredible. Come on, Margot. Get your hat and coat. We've got work to do and there's no time to lose. But, Lamont, you're not going to the Department of Sanitation at this hour tonight. Why not? Well, suppose you were caught. Don't worry, Margot. The real shadow won't be caught. I need your help if we're going to try out all the typewriters in those offices. It's a job for Lamont Cranston and his assistant, Margot Lane. But if we're caught, how long a sentence can they give us for breaking into a public building? It's worth risking and... Far better than sitting here building up theories and knocking them down again while this 
This mad masquerader carries out his monstrous schemes of wholesale murder. Come on, Margot, let's go. No, Margot. No, this isn't the machine. Well, it's the last one in here. Well, let's try the next office. Be careful of that flashlight, Lamont. Yeah. Must be a watchman here in the building somewhere. He's down in the basement sweeping. I made sure of that before I signaled you to come in. Oh, it looks like another exploded theory, Lamont. We've tried dozens of machines, and none of them have the characteristics of the letters in those ransom notes. We're not going to stop until we've tried them all, Margot. There's a door there, leading to the back part of this floor, Lamont. Mm. Yes, it says, um, Private Office of Chief Chemist A.D. Gerber. Let's look in there. Yes, there's a machine. It's the only one in here. Try it, Margot. Here's some paper. Thanks. I'll be glad to get out of this place. Try the same words, Margot. That's it. For years, the shadow has smashed rackets, wiped Lamont, out... Lamont, the E dropped. Wiped out criminal syndicates. Margot, the A blurred. Go on, finish it. Trapped murderers without reward. Now the time has come for settlement. This is the machine that typed the warning notes to the papers. The office of the city's chief chemist. In Gerber's office. It might not have been Gerber. Other people could get to this machine and use it. Margot, everything's beginning to fit together. Who would know more about poisons than a chemist? You know, I felt all alone. What was that? Someone in the next room. Turn your light over on that door, Lamont. There's lettering on it. Laboratory. Keep out. Who would be in a laboratory at this time of night? Margot, I don't know. But I'm going to find out. It may be the man we're looking for, Lamont. Margot, I think it'll be best if you get out of here. Go back to the car. Wait for oh, me. Oh, please, Lamont, let me stay here till you come out, and I might be able to help you if it's that crazy name. No, Margot, no. Go out to the car and wait for me. Lamont Cranston and Margot Lane have done all they can. The time has come for me to be the shadow. The real shadow must open that door. More from the shadow after this. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, The Whistler, and Abbott and Costello, consider joining the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time. As curator, the 10 shows I select will be the best sound quality and the most popular, along with a rare show sprinkled in to add to the fun. I'll also send you historical liner notes, plus photos of the radio stars. Members also receive an email each week with a link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show. The links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 whenever you'd like. The first month membership fee is only $1, with each additional month under $10. And you can cancel at any time with no obligation. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you're supporting this show, so we thank you very much. Join the Classic Radio Club at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now, back to the shadow. Nerves. Nerves. Why should I be nervous? No one knows. I'm here all alone. And who would suspect me, Gerber, the city chemist? <laughs> I'll never tell them. 
They'll never know that Brinkley is dead. They'll make me commissioner of sanitation. I should have had the job when they gave it to him. I guess he knows it now. <laughs> Gerber, bring me that report. Gerber, why didn't you do this? Gerber, why didn't you do that? Treating me like dirt. Oh, that's over now, though. <laughs> over and done with. Hey, how did that door get open? Must have forgotten to close it. Must be getting absent-minded. Yeah, got to be more careful. Someone might come in. Might ask me what I'm doing. What I'm making. What are you making, Gerber? <laughs> wait, 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 what was that? Who said that? Who laughed? The shadow spoke. The shadow laughed, Gerber. The shadow? Yes, Gerber. I am the shadow. You know my name. You've been using it as a cloak to cover your excursions into the realm of murder. Oh, you can make yourself invisible, Shadow. Or, or are you hiding? I happen to be master of the ancient art of hypnotism, by which I can blind your eyes to my presence. But you are really here in this room. Physically, I mean. Yes, I opened that door. I walked into this room. I am here. Quite near you, Gerber. How did you find me? By a process of elimination. Because you made one mistake in your admirable train of logic. A mistake? Yes. When you murdered Brinkley, the commissioner of sanitation, I knew it must be someone who had a grievance against him, real or imaginary. Mm, real or imaginary. Oh, I see. You think I am insane, Shadow? The sanity of a brilliant mind is not measured by ordinary standards, Gerber. Yes, that's it. My co-workers know I'm brilliant. They don't think I'm eccentric because when anybody's around, I'm on my guard. What were you doing when I came in, Gerber? <laughs> Filling this bottle. What is in that bottle, Gerber? What is that crimson-colored fluid? That is the poison, Shadow. <laughs> I'm supposed to be analyzing the blood taken from my first batch of poison victims. But instead, I've been making more poison. You see? <laughs> it's all ready now. <laughs> Would you like some, Shadow? I'll be glad to give it to you. What are you going to do with that bottle of poison, Gerber? Or are you afraid to tell me? No! I'm not afraid! You can't stop me! The devil himself couldn't stop me! Listen, I'm going to drive to one of our fashionable suburbs where all the important people of the city live. There's a high steel water tower there. <laughs> I'm going to climb that tower and pour this little bottle of poison through the trap door at the top. It will be diluted in the water, carried into the homes of all those prominent people. <laughs> and by tomorrow night, <laughs> they will all be dead. It is fortunate I found you in time. In time for what, Shadow? In time to stop you. You can't stop me, Shadow. You're not going to leave this laboratory with that bottle of poison, Gerber. Yes, I am. And I'm going this minute, Shadow. <laughs> you... See this test tube? Yes. It's filled with acid. Acid that will burn you beyond recognition. You forget you can't see me. Yeah, but the only way you can stop me is by physical means. With your body that seems to be not even a shadow. And to do that, you must drop your cloak of invisibility. How do I know that isn't a blind to make myself become visible to you? No, it isn't a blind shadow. <laughs> see, I pour a little on the floor. You see? <laughs> Think what that would do to human flesh. And you say you are human. Yes. Yes, I am human. Then I dare you to stop me. At the first touch of your hands, 
I'll throw it at you. It is better that one man be injured than you should kill another entire community. I'm willing to take that chance. All right. We'll see if you're as brave as you sound, Shadow. Stop where you are. No! I'm leaving unless you stop me physically. Then I have no alternative but to fight you man to man. Oh, so you are human. <laughs> All right. Take this. I warned you, Shadow. You will be burned beyond recognition. That acid will eat into you to the very bone. Goodbye, Shadow. At last you've met someone who is your match. <laughs> now there's no one to stop me putting the poison in that water tower. Margot! Margot! Yes, Lamont. Did you see a tall, powerfully built man come out of the sanitation building just now? Yes, Lamont. He got in a car. There he goes, going down the street. You can still see the tail. Follow me, Margot. In heaven's name, don't lose him. That's the man, Gerber. He won't get away. Margot, is the first aid kit in the car? Yes, it's in the side pocket. Oh, Lamont, your clothes, they're smoking. Yes. And your hands bleeding. That's oh, Lamont, my dear, what happened? Acid, Margot, acid. He was getting away with a bottle of poison. I tried to stop him, and he threw the acid. Oh, Lamont, your face. Let me look at your face. I didn't get any on my face. Oh. I threw up my arm in time. It's all right. I'll bandage my hands as best I can. Keep your eyes on that car, Margot. Yes. Far more important. Don't lose him. He's heading for the suburbs. This time, Gerber really means business. Margot, he's set to poison the whole community. He's going to dump a bottle of that deadly stuff in a water tower. Oh, Lamont. Oh, you're in terrible pain. I can see it. Let me take care of you. Let me stop at a phone booth and call Commissioner Weston. Let me send out a general alarm and pick this man No, Margot, we have a job to do. We lose Gerber. If we stop, then the police wouldn't be any good. We'll find out where he's going and... Then we can call the police. All right, Lamont. You know best. I'll try not to lose him. Oh, Lamont, is, is the pain any easier? You've right. got to get to a doctor as quickly as possible. Infection might set in. I will oh, as soon as... Margo, look. Yes? I think Gerber is nearing his destination. He's, he's taking that road up the hill. If I remember correctly, the water tower's at the top. Lamont, how will you stop him now, you with your bleeding hands? He's a powerful man, crazy with the strength of a maniac. I've got to do what I can to delay him. Keep him putting that poison in the tower until you can get the police. The police? Uh, Lamont, how is he going to get the poison in the tank? He said there was a trap door on top of the tower. A door they used when they cleaned the tank. Oh, Lamont, that means you may have to climb that tower. Now, you uh, can't, not with your hands in that condition. It's snowing, there'll be ice on the rungs of the ladder, and in this wind, you're, you're liable to slip and fall. Oh, I've got to chance it. Stop, Margo, stop. There's the water tower. There's the car. Lamont, look, it's Gerber. Mm. He's starting to climb the tower already. Margot. Go on, I'll get the police. Hurry. Tell them to get someone to shut off the water in this tower in case I fail. Hurry, Margot, hurry. I'm going up there after him. All right, Lamont, I'll get them. Who's that? The man you thought you'd left in your laboratory. Burnt and blind with acid. The shadow. Yes, Take time, and I shall be gaining on you. You need to hurry, Gerber. 
That's too bad you missed my face with that axe, isn't it? Yeah, but some of it went on you. <laughs> I heard it sizzling into your flesh. On my hands, that's all. Don't you want to see them? <laughs> then you must be suffering holding onto the ice-covered ladder. Not as much as you'll suffer once I reach you. All right, hurry, Shadow. I'm on the top already. Now, you are right, Shadow. The trap door is locked. But that won't stop me. I'm going to blow it open with my revolver. <laughs> the lock is broken, Shadow. You'd better hurry up. I'm not far below you now, Gerber. Now I'm opening the trap door, Shadow. Yes, yes, I hear it, Gerber, but you'll never put the poison in the water. I have the bottle in my hand. I'm pulling out the stopper. And I'm here to knock it out of your hand. Ah! Yes, you broke it. You spilled the poison. You spoiled my revenge. You spoiled it. But you'll pay for it. You're leaving blood marks on the snow with your hands. You can't get off the top of this tower. You can't get past me to the ladder. I don't need to see you to find you. The blood marks will show me where you are. Come and get me, Gerber. I'm waiting for you here on top of the tank. I know you are. And you can't go any further. Or you'll slip and fall to the ground. Hundreds of feet below. Don't be so sure, Gerber. There. There. I touched you, Shadow. Oh, you squirm very cleverly. But I've got you. I've got hold of you. You won't get away from me, Shadow. And you won't get away from the police. Hear them coming? <laughs> you, you warned the police? Yes. But before they get here, I'm going to throw you off the tower, Shadow. You might fall off yourself if you try to do that. If I do, I'll pull you off with me. And Commissioner Weston, he's come to take you himself, Gerber. You should feel honored. He'll never get me. He'll never take me alive. There he is, Commissioner. Stay on the edge. Stay where he is. He's going to be struggling with somebody. Try not to fight on him. You're caught, Gerber. You're trapped. You're trapped. There's no escape, Gerber. Listen to me, Commissioner Weston. You'll never get me. Never. I did it. I killed all those people. I made you think it was a shadow. Get back, Commissioner. He's going to jump. You'll be killed, Gerber. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Because you're coming with me, Shadow. Come on, Shadow. Come with me. Come with me. He did it. He jumped. Throw your light over there to the foot of the tower. See who it is. That's our man, the poisoner. There's the body. Then he must be dead as a doornail. Yes. No man could fall that distance and live. Turn him over. Let's see his face. He's dead, all right. Next broken. Wait. Wait, Gerber. Gerber, the chief chemist of the sanitation department. Who would ever have thought a man in his position? He was struggling with someone up there on the top of the tower. Where's the other man? Look around the base of the tower. See if you can find another body. Look in the bushes. I Where's suppose we could have missed him, but I don't see him. I can't see a thing in these snow flurries. Swing the searchlight around. Anything over there, Sergeant? No, no sign. Nope. I don't see anybody here, Sergeant. Nobody over here, here, Sergeant. Nothing over on this side. Listen. Shadow. Yes, Commissioner Weston. The shadow. I am walking down. And Commissioner, don't bother to search anymore. I am the man Gerber was struggling with up on the tower. So you trapped Gerber? Yes, Commissioner. I trapped him. Gerber's your man. The man who tried to poison the people of this city. 
into paying him a half a million dollars. Well, he won't poison anymore by the looks of him. And now, would you do something for me, Commissioner? By all means. If you don't mind, Commissioner, I'd like to publicly take the credit for solving this mystery. Gerber committed his crimes in the name of a shadow. And I... I rather think the real shadow deserves to be vindicated. Don't you? <laughs> the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> And that was Orson Welles as The Shadow in Poison Death, originally broadcast January the 30th, 1938. In a moment, we'll escape. Welcome back to Mystery Theater. I'm your host, Christopher Lee. Now for radio's greatest series of high adventure, Escape with Rudyard Kipling's classic story, The Man Who Would Be King. Escape. Saturday night, it was my unpleasant duty to put the paper to bed alone. It was a pitchy black night, as stifling as night can be in India in June. It was very still, save for the ticking of the clock above my desk, which seemed to shatter the black heat of the night as the hands crept toward 3 a.m. And then from the passage outside my door, I heard voices. And it must be here. Open the door. Who's there? Only us. Who are you? Oh, he don't remember us, Dan. <laughs> that he don't. How could he forget having us turn back at the Jodhpore border? Told the authorities we was impersonating newspaper reporters, he did. Wait. That flaming red beard and that bald head. Why, well, you're Daniel Dravitt and Peachy Carnahan. The same. Well, what do you want? If it's money, I haven't any. If it's a fight... It's simply too beastly hot. You can rest yourself easy, sir, because we've come asking for naught except some information. We've been all over this country, and we've concluded that India isn't big enough for such as Daniel and me. So we're going away to be kings. Kings in our own divine right. What? Aye, we shall be kings. We've signed a solemn contract. Each day up the other, and neither of us to take a look at liquor... All women until we become kings. Why, I've never heard of such a fantastic idea. But what is it you want of me? Naught but to look at such maps of Kafiristan as you might have about. Maps of Kafiristan? That's where we've decided to go. But don't you realize that not one single Englishman has ever gone into the Kafiristan mountains and lived to come out again? If you're really mad enough to go there, 
You're a good deal more likely to become dead men than kings. We shall see. Anyway, I don't believe you have the slightest intention of traveling a mile outside of Delhi. Then you should come down to the Serai marketplace in the morning, down where the caravans leave for the north. Yes, come down to the Serai in the morning and see then if we be liars. Oh, thieves, robbers, liars, the blessing of Pier Khan upon all pigs, dogs and perjurers. <laughs> Who will take the protection? <laughs> you should not laugh at him, Saib. The witless are under the protection of Allah. Quite so, boy. Who is the fellow anyway? A mad priest, Saib, who has arrived only this morning from Ajmer. Ah, yes, Saib. Come to look at my camels, loaded with toys to please the eye of an Amir. Oh, here now. Go about your business. I haven't any use for toys. These are wondrous toys indeed, Saib. Fit for a king of Kafiristan. What? Good Lord. Daniel Dravet. Quiet. Come along. I've two camels just beyond the wall here. The blessings of Pir Khan on the gracious Sahib, who consents to look at the poor toys of a priest from Ajmer. Over this way. Where's Carnahan? Here we are. Permit me to present my servant, Hazia Mir Khan. At your service, good man. Well, I'll be... <laughs> Do you like our disguises? Do they pass? If they fool this crowd in the Serai... They're probably good enough to get you across the border and good enough to get you killed. Getting killed is no part of the contract Peachy and me drawed up. Although perhaps killing fits in with our plans in a different sense. Feel around underneath the toys there in the camel bags. What? Go ahead. Good Lord. Rifles. Twenty brand new martinis with ammunition to match. And twenty good reasons to make your death certain. Any Pathan of the hill tribes would kill his own mother to get a rifle. Now who would harm a poor mad priest, Sahib? <laughs> Allah protects me. Mad is right. Then so was Lord Clive and Rhodes and Bonaparte. Drive out the camels, Peachy. We've a long way to go before we become kings. Oh, hey. huh. As I stood and listened to the camel bells fade away in the distance, I wondered... Wondered if it might not be a glorious thing to go to Kafiristan and be a king. Three years pass in India, much as they pass in any other land. It grows hot, then the rains come, and then the heat again. Some colonel at a hill station puts down an uprising. A new viceroy comes out from London and the paper duly records the death of a sultan in Rajputana, and the trees in the courtyard grow a few feet taller. Finally, time in its circle turned up another night, much like the one three years before. Once again, I sat alone in the office, listening to the clock and waiting for some unimportant item to come over the wire from Europe. It was long after midnight when my office door slowly opened. I say, look here, you, you might knock first, you know. Knock. Knock. Good Lord, man. What's wrong? I... Uh, you don't know who I am, do you? No. No, I haven't the faintest idea. Uh, but here, you'd better sit down, old fellow. You're in a bad way. Yes, sir. Thank you. It's a whole year I've been walking. 
right here in this very office we settled it. You sitting right there and giving us the maps. <laughs> you, you've been sitting there ever since. Three years. No. Oh, no. Why, a man couldn't change that much in three years. You're not Peachy Carnahan. Uh, yes. I was king of Kafiristan. Me and Daniel Dravid. Real crown kings we was. Just as true as gospel. What in the name of heaven have they done to you, Peachy? Peachy? I, I knew Peachy Carnahan once. He's a king. Wears a real golden crown on his head. So help me, he does. He's dead now, though. No, no, no. You're, you're Peachy Carnahan. You must pull yourself together, man. Yes. Pull myself. You, you've got to keep looking into my eyes. Then maybe everything will go to pieces. All right. Now, tell me what happened, Peachy. We left the caravan at Jagdala. We struck off into the hills alone. Go on. Weeks it was we traveled, Daniel and me. First there wasn't no roads, and after a while, no food. But there was always the drums. Sometimes they was close, and sometimes farther off. But most of the time, we could hear them somewhere. Oi, hop! Move along there. Here now, there's no place to be stopping up with you. I'm fearing it's no use, Daniel. What's got into them? The poor beasts are done in and starved, same as ourselves. They'll go no further. Then we'll go on without them. I've not come this far to die on the side of a mountain. Wait. Look, Daniel. Over the edge of the rocks. What? Oh, men they are. There'll be a score or more of them. One goes ahead of the rest. And naught but bows and arrows. Break out a pair of the rifles, Peachy. Right you are, Daniel. It's now that we start to become kings. Here, here, and some cartridges too. Easy now, Peachy. I'll drop the straggler at the rear first, and then we'll lay a few at their feet. No arm to the one in front. We may need him. Now. Stop him by the old neck. Look at them! Aye, flat on their blooming faces. The leader is come out alone. Well and good, and we'll go part way to meet him, Peachy, but keep your rifle by. Look at him, Daniel. He be as fair as us, with yellow hair. So he does. Part of the lost tribes, these people are. He stopped. I await your command, for ye who speak in the voice of thunder. By the Lord, Harry, Peachy, we're in luck. It's the old Afghan tongue he speaks. Speak up! Who are you and whence do you come? I am High Priest and the chief of the village of Bashkai. A journey of only a few heartbeats. This Bashkai, how many people? They are numbered in the thousands. There are more villages in the hills? More than a man has fingers and toes. Hear that, Peachy? Is our kingdom made to order? And you, you're going to take us to Bashkai. Do you understand? I understand the voice of thunder that you speak. Oh, he's a smooth one, Peachy. He knows a thing or two. <laughs> What's your name? 
That's too long. What shall we call him, Peachy? He has the look about him of an old soldiering friend of ours. Billy Fish. So he does. We bestow a new name on you. From now on, you will be Billy Fish. As you command, I obey. All right. Put this on your drums. Tell them two kings have come out from the mountaintops. Two kings that speak in words of thunder so the earth trembles. Tell them two kings have come to Kafiristan. That you, Peachy? Daniel, why be you sitting here in the dark? I've been thinking. A man has to stop and think sometimes. About anything special, Nanyan? Look at them, Peachy. Look at their blinking campfires a-gleaming in the dark like the jewels in a crown. Aye, Daniel. You've done a fine job for sure. All 23 villages you joined together as one. Tis the army you trained to be thanked for it. 2,000 men with a fair knowledge of bearing arms. Some's a bit green at it yet. They're ours now, every man, jack, woman, and child. We own them, body and soul. Aye, we're kings now, Daniel. Not proper kings yet, but we will be. Sooner than you think, Peachy. How's that? Billy Fish told me something today that fair amazed me. These people know the craft. You mean they're Freemasons, Daniel? It ain't no wise possible. So help me, it's gospel true. He give me the grip and everything. It's old, the craft is older than the memory of man. And up here in the hills, they've been preserving it all these years. Why, some of the high priests know up through the fellow craft. But they don't know the third degree. See it, Peachy? They don't know the third degree. But we do. Daniel, what is it you're fixing to do? Do? We're going to be proper kings. We're going to get them... Going and coming now. I'm going to turn the whole country into one grand lodge, raise some of the priests to third degree, and for me, I'll be the Grand Master of Kafiristan. Oh, but you ain't got the right to. We never been officers in no lodge. Right? What's a king got to do with asking for a right? Oh, I'm against it, Daniel. It's no good to go fooling around with the craft. Ah, you talk like an old woman. The thing'll work, I know it will. We'll make it a blooming ceremony. Regular aprons with the symbol and the marks. All of us, Peachy. The kings of Kafiristan. Everything is prepared, Master. And the priests and the people wait. Well, they don't have to wait much longer, Billy. Here now, Peachy. How do you like my apron? It's a wondrous sight for fair, Daniel. Made of white ermine skin it is, and the master's mark with emeralds studded. The mark? You know the meaning of the mark? That I do. What's got into you, Billy? Not. But tis a thing that's passing strange, master. Strange and rubbish. Come along now. Ready, Peachy? Right with you, Daniel. Then out we go. Onto the temple steps. We'll give them what for. Knock their blinking eyes out. That's what we'll do. Look at them, Peachy! Right down on their blooming knees and yelling their full heads off. Oh, it's a good thing to be a king, Daniel. The mark! Behold! The mark! It's a sign! The promised ones have come! Here now. 
What's wrong with the priest, Billy? It looks like trouble, Daniel. No. Stand where you are, Master. They recognize the mark. That great stone in the floor. Why do they turn it over? Wait. It's the same! He bears the mark! You promised me! Let go! Speak up, Billy Fish. What's the meaning of it? See for yourself. Look, Daniel. Carved on the back of the stone. It is the master's mark, all right. And the same as the sign you wear. Only a few of the priests have known of the hidden mark on the stone. What does it mean? The many who have doubted you were a god doubt no longer. And you, Billy? What do you think? I, master. I think that now it is the time for these. Daniel! Golden crowns! Aye, how they glitter. Fit for the brow of a king. Tis what we came for. Here now, put them on. We'll crown ourselves in our own right. <laughs> Listen to them. You know something, Peachy? We come here to be kings and that we are all right. But blamed if we ain't a couple of blooming gods to boot with a million people bowing on their knees before us. Well enough, Peachy. So it was gods you became as well as kings. But then what happened? What became of Daniel Dravot? Dravot? I knew Daniel Dravot once. He's a king now, Daniel is. Where's a golden crown? Carnahan was with him. Peachy, try to pull yourself together. I, I'll try. Now. You became kings, you and Daniel. Kings of all Kafiristan. He was a fine figure, Daniel was. With his red head wearing that golden crown. Kept himself aloof from the people, so to speak. And when he walked before the temple, the fair crawled on their stomachs to worship him. But what happened, man? Happened? Well, I figure mostly it was winter coming on. The winds were starting up, and the clouds was blowing down from the north. Oh, it could blow beastly cold, that winter wind. Hey, who's out there? That you, Billy? Confound it anyway. Here now, what's this? Brought you food, master. Stew of the wire sheep with curry and rice. Up off your knees, girl. Bring it inside. Thank you, master. Uh, place it there. Hmm. Now, you're a well-favored wench. I do not understand. Why were you crawling on your knees? Is a fitting way to approach the god of Kafiristan. What's your name, girl? Maruma Fenja. Maruma? You married? It, it has not yet been my happy fortune, master. Are you afraid of me? You are a god. I mean, 
How do I seem to you? Do you find me pleasing or, or what? Your face is more wondrous than the noonday sun. And your look, the look of eagles. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, very well, you may leave now. Thank you, Master. Hmm. Marum, eh? Peachy! Peachy! Is you calling me, Daniel? Oh, the food's here, eh? Good. Mark that wind outside. Winter's about due to strike and fill the trail with snow. There'll be little moving about afore spring. Right you are. Peachy, I've decided to take a wife. But you can't do it, Daniel. We made a contract. That was till we was kings. Well, kings, we've been many months now. Oh, but it's no good. I tell you now, I, I'm against it. Against it? You was against using the craft too. But look what it done for us. Oh, but this is different. Billy Fish will tell you no too, the same as I do. Billy Fish, huh? Who's the king here, him or me? My mind's made up. Three days from now, I shall have me a wife. And you can put it on the drums and tell every blighter out there in the hills. The kingdom of Kafiristan is going to have a queen. What's keeping her, Peachy? They should have brought her in here half an hour ago. I don't know, Daniel. How about you, Billy Fish? You put them up to stalling off deliberate-like? Certain preparations must be made, Master. She's across the court with some of the priests. Maybe they're trying to hearten her up a bit, Daniel. She thinks she's going to die, you know. Die, indeed. Why, I'm only... Master, it is against the laws of heaven for a woman to marry a god. I'm not a god. I'm a man. You know that by now, Billy. No. And I should not want to think so, Master. But... Either way, this can mean only trouble. I beg you to reconsider. And I beg you to shut up, Billy. I'm through waiting. I'm going over there. Master, please. We've got to go with him, Billy. And I'm thinking it's going to mean trouble. How many men can you defend, depend on? No more than 20 with rifles. Most of my men are in Bashkai. Then what shall we do? We shall have to make a run for it, I fear. We might be safe in Bashkai. Come on now, you buckling fools. Bring out the girl. Well, now, that's better. Here, girl, this is no way for a bride to behave. A smile now. And give us a kiss. Oh! The wench has bitten me. Bloodbuster, don't let them see the blood. Look! See the blood! It's not a god or a devil, but only a man! What is this, Rock? Master, it's too late. Mark Daniel, they're coming with knives. They can't do this. I'm the king. You've got to run for it, Master. Oh, come on, Daniel, come on. back and beat their blasted heads in. That's what I'll do. Sure, Daniel. We'll be back all right. How much further, Billy? Uh, only a short way beyond this ridge, Master. Well, so far, so good. Uh, last them blooming drums are stopped. We're at the top, Daniel. A right good climb it's been. Oh, wait. Look. It seems the drums have come before us, Master. Cut off. No less than a thousand of them standing there quiet like. 
with them wicked long knives in their hands. There'll be no getting past them, Daniel. No. We are done for. Go back, Billy Fish, and take your men away with you. Go with him, Peachy. It's me they want. I did it. Me, the king. No, Dan. I'm sticking with you. Billy Fish, you clear out. I am your friend. I stay with you. You're a good man, Billy. Maybe coming now, Daniel. Peachy. Forget it, Daniel. I forgive you freely and fully. Then let them come. There'll be one thing they can't change, Peachy. We've been kings. Kings in our own right. Kings of all Kafiristan. Open poor Billy Fish like a blooming hell in they did. There in the snow and the rocks. Good Lord, man. But you, Peachy, you got away from them. Like nowhere did I get away from. They had us for fair, all right. Strung me out on a tree. Drove nails right through my hands, they did. See? But I fooled them all right. Because morning came, I wasn't nowise dead. And then I made them think I'd lost my senses. <laughs> I was afraid to harm me because I was protected by Allah. They cut me down then, and after a while... They let me go. You poor devil. But what of Drabbit? What happened to Daniel? Dan- Daniel's the king. He wears a golden crown. But now, what happened to him? He's never left me. All them long months walking on the road back, he kept me safe. The mountains, they danced at night. But Daniel held up his hands and Peachy came along, bent double. I never let go of Daniel's hand. Not Daniel's head that they gave me in the temple as a present. It's with me now, here, in this bundle. You knew old Daniels. Him that was a monarch once. Look at him now. <gasps> well, and now you've seen that we was really kings. Beyond the way. You'll, you'll pardon me, sir.
I let him go. There was little else to do. He was only hours away from his death. I sat there and stared at the bundle he had left lying on my desk. Stared as the pale shafts of dawn struck fire in the red beard. Stared at the golden crown, sitting too large and heavy upon the wrinkled, mummified head of Daniel Dravot, the man who would be king. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robeson. Tonight's story, Rudyard Kipling's The Man Who Would Be King, was adapted for radio by Les Crutchfield and featured Raymond Lawrence as Peachy, Eric Snowden as Daniel Dravitt, and Herbert Rawlinson as Kipling. Musical effects were created and conducted by Cy Fewer. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That was Raymond Lawrence in The Man Who Would Be King on Escape from July the 7th, 1947. In a moment, I'll tell you what's coming up on the next Mystery Theater. No matter how far you run from them, childhood tragedies have a way of catching back up with you. So is true of elite scuba diver Veronica West, who's about to encounter something unexplainable at the bottom of the ocean, something that will draw her back to her home on Sinclair Island, Maine. There, she'll lead a dangerous rescue mission to the bottom of the Bay of Fundy, home of the world's largest tides, and something horrific down in the depths. Listen to Narcosis, the latest horror fiction show on Realm's premier horror channel, Undertow. Narcosis is available now. Search for Undertow or Narcosis wherever podcasts are served. Be sure to join me next time on Mystery Theater when we'll hear Humphrey Bogart as Sam Spade solve his greatest case, the Maltese Falcon, and then Howard Duff dons Spade's fedora for the follow-up case, The Candy Tooth, on an hour-long episode of Suspense. This is your host, Christopher Lee, saying thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Mystery Theater with your host, Christopher Lee. The producers of Mystery Theater wish to thank this station and Radio Spirits for helping make this series possible. This copyrighted radio series is written by Dennis Etchison, Jim McCants speaking.